welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. Getting called out in the middle of the night to go carve a cow to do a cesarean. It's the closest thing to farming you can do in the middle of Bristol. And then mum put on YouTube and then now it's there for the world to see, so it's great. But England were very chirpy. And I think I only cried like four times, but they just happened to get all four times on camera, okay? Lock myself in a procedure room. Whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. I love people and I love cricket. Suddenly I'm out on a helicopter because I can go on a glacier. And... It's been the longest year ever, hasn't it? <laughs> My dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. So I love the anthem because I really genuinely thought they would make us sing it. Hey Polly, I hear you've been to the BBC. I have. Somehow they let me in and I'm not quite sure why. Um, but I didn't get arrested. I did have to go through airport security on my way in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made it in there. I made it out and I think I've kept some sort of reputation, which is decent. So this is the BBC building in Salford, isn't it? Yeah, Salford Keys, Media City. Um, very fancy building. So it moved there in 2011 from the Oxford Road. And it is very, very fancy. So you've got Radio 5 Live is based there? Yeah, 5 Live, BBC Sport, obviously BBC Radio Manchester. Um, but then also you've got the studios where they were called Blue Peter. They've got a couple oh. of well, exactly. Blue Peter Garden. Yeah, studios where they do stuff with live audiences. So I'm not sure what shows they would be, but I think it's, it's split between uh, London and Manchester. So yeah, it was a massive building, really interesting. And yeah, seeing how everything runs at, at BBC Radio Manchester. Yeah, and you got to sit into a sports show that happens every day on BBC Manchester from yeah. six till seven. I, I, that seems quite a lot of content to, to fit in, five hours of sport per week on a live show. Yeah, it was quite a lot. I mean, they covered uh, four topics, I think it was. They had three kind of general pieces of news where they got callers on or like so for example these were all uh football ones and so they got Mm -hmm. football fans on to speak so about five guests then they had um one piece I think I wasn't in the studio for the final bit but it was like a 20 minute chat with two people who who were in studio who were football fans I think it was they had started uh, a group to help with men's mental health but they were like football fans I think um I could be completely wrong but they have like a mix of stuff, so a lot of it is current news. But yeah, it is quite a lot of stuff to fit into. Well, to, to, to do a show every day is very impressive, given it's all local stuff. Um, this is the thing with local radio, isn't it? That it yeah. is it's very geographically specific. Yeah, so it was all stuff. So they spoke about Man United, Man City, Bolton, and yeah, I think that was it. So it was all extremely local. Um, I think they mentioned Wigan, perhaps, and a, a slight, slightly further out. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I guess also the people that listen, a lot of them will be Manchester, because, I mean, it's local radio. I know you can kind of listen to local radio anywhere, but it's interesting how they create it for their listeners so it's hyper-local, and that was quite cool. But, yeah, just seeing how everything works and the running order and how they decide what to put in. And even with like the callers, if it's a good caller, how they kind of work with them to ask them more questions, or if it's a caller who doesn't have much to say, how they tailor it and decide when they're going to cut people off to work with the timings, because they've got a really, really strict schedule because they've got this hour slot and they have to finish 
bang on a certain second so then they can run the titles for the next thing so it was really interesting to see how that all works yeah behind the scenes at local radio that sounds like a really interesting day and uh, so you've started back at university now or not no i'm back but i don't have any lectures for another week which is nice so just enduring the storms quite literally uh there as we speak there is rain coming through my window which is when i'll probably have to rain maintenance about that my shower's flooding um you know just just normal my um i had to defrost the fridge my milk frozen exploded everywhere um so you know that's not to do with the weather though is it no but you never know <laughs> but the storm is vicious storm isha it's the next one now it's this yes it's uh oh, it's God, jay um like joyce jocelyn. Jocelyn, jocelyn jocelyn that's it yeah it is wild out there. I almost got blown over yesterday, like physically, like it it all hit me and I was like, I'm going to fall over. But yeah, there is water coming in my window right now, which isn't, no, I thought it was from my plant pot, but it's not. So um, wonderful life. Yes, well, yeah, for international listeners, we have had quite a lot of storms in the UK. It's been a big um, winter for storms and it's it, they just keep on coming. And uh, they give them names nowadays, and it runs alphabetically. So we know this is the 10th storm of the year, Storm Jocelyn. And when it rains hard in Britain, it rains even harder in Manchester, I think. That is very true. A quick question about that. I didn't realise it was they start every year again. But what if there are more than 26 storms in a year? It's never happened. Really? Well, we'll get onto this. But with climate change, I could see there being more than 26 storms a year. Mm. Anyway... Um, we need to chat about cricket. So I think it's been a good week for the Ireland women's cricket team because they beat Zimbabwe uh, 2-0 in an ODI series. And it's also been a very good week for Cara Murray because she got 6 for 31. She was player of the match, player of the series, bowler of the series and got best ODI bowling figures in the history of the Ireland women's cricket team. Yeah, really good result. I, I, I think... If Ireland are feeling a little bit greedy, they are probably slightly disappointed that they didn't win 3-0 yeah. uh, because the second game was a tie. Uh, so no super over. It was just a, a tied game. Uh, but Ireland really should have won it, I think. They, I think they needed one run from the last three balls or something. They didn't manage to do it. So um, they'll have been a bit disappointed with that. But... Overall, brilliant 2-0 series win for Ireland and great to see those individual performances by some key players. It has been a bad week, though, for us, who forgot about our own birthday. We completely forgot. Well, my birthday is in January, but we're not talking about my birthday, are we? The pod birthday. We turned three last week. Yeah, we turned three on the 15th of January, I believe. And I completely forgot, did not cross my mind at all. I think we mentioned it in our first episode back for the new year, being like, oh, it's almost three years. But no, absolutely nothing. And normally I'll get like a notification on Twitter or Instagram being like, oh, it's a year since you posted this or something. No, none of that. Um, Age is just a number. So yeah, it was it was during that second lockdown in the beginning of 2021 that we, um, well, decided to start recording ourselves. Yeah, what bad decision that was. <laughs> <laughs> look where we are now. Oh, exactly. Look where we are now. 
Anyway, um, in that spirit of being three years old, we haven't got a guest for the... So this is the first time, actually, we haven't actually managed to get a guest. But I think the main reason is because I'm very busy this week, so we couldn't record for the rest of the week. So we're recording on Tuesday rather than Thursday. So we just haven't had time. But it's fine because we've got a really, really important guest this week, actually. I lied. We do have a guest. We have the one and only Richard Starkey in an exclusive first ever interview to the press. So it'll be really interesting to chat to, to Richard and see what he has to say. So enjoy our chat with the dad by the daughter. So, Richard, thank you so much for giving up your time to speak to us. Firstly, what... thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> what is your cricket story and how did you first get into cricket? Um, I suppose I, in my family, um, my dad was a big cricket fan. So um, growing up, we were members at Lancashire County Cricket Club and we watched lots of men's cricket at Lancashire. So my dad would take us on a Sunday afternoon to go and watch the John Player League. Uh, John Player is a brand of cigarettes and they sponsored the uh, the Sunday League. And this was a this was like the short form of the game at the time. Only 40 overs aside on a on a Sunday. And everyone would wear um there was no colored clothing or anything like that. They'd wear whites. And what generally would happen the way that the county championship worked is you'd have a three-day game um, and so you'd play on the Friday and the Saturday then on the Sunday you'd play a Sunday league game and on a Monday you'd have the third day of your three-day game and so we would regularly go to Old Trafford and um, and watch Lancashire play and then when England were playing we'd, we'd go to Old Trafford to watch uh, England play and then occasionally uh, dad would take us to London so we went to the Oval I remember we'd going to the Oval in about 1980 uh, to watch a one-day international between England and Australia. Uh, people like Jeff Boycott were playing. And um, in 1979, it was the Men's World Cup, the second edition of the Men's World Cup. So again, Dad took us to Old Trafford to see the semi-final between England and New Zealand, which England won. So lots of um, memories going way back, watching the Ashes in 81 and 85, which England won both those games. Um so, yeah, a, a, a real watching cricket upbringing and then playing cricket. Dad would take us on the park all the time in the summer. So you know, not just the weekend, sometimes school nights, we'd, you know, if it wasn't raining, we'd take the crickets out on the park and we'd just you know, have a few overs and and just hit the ball around. And uh, so, yeah, me and my my dad had got an older brother uh, who would come as well. And then. Uh, my sisters and my younger brother, when they were old enough, they would, they would get involved as well. So lots of family cricket. Never really got involved in organised cricket, which is a bit of a regret, really. Maybe it's not too late, but uh, I think I might have been OK. I mean, not not get selected for anything, but I, I think I could I would have quite enjoyed it. Um, but ne we know didn't join a club or anything like that. I played a little bit of house cricket at school, but not didn't get in the school team or anything like that. Um, but really enjoyed the, the sport, and, uh, and I guess as I got older, it was a it was a nice thing after I'd moved out from home, and you know, um, me and my dad and and my brother and other members of the family, we'd get together and we'd watch cricket 
um, during the summer, you know, we'd arrange to, you know, catch a day of a test match together and that sort of thing. So it's quite a nice context for spending time with family and friends. So what you're saying is you could have made it pro. But I could have been, I could have made the big time. I'm saying the opposite of that, Polly. I'm saying, <laughs> no, no, I, I, it's not the cricket story that we usually have, which is, yeah, when I was seven, I trialed for the under 16s and got selected and then <laughs> just like you normally do. And then, uh, and then got offered a pro contract at the age of 12. Well, it's a shame it didn't work out really. <laughs> but um, one thing you did go on to do is you got selected by Birmingham City Council to be a French teacher. How did how did that come about and how excited were you when you got selected? Yeah, I mean it's a less it's less competitive to get into that. In fact, it, it's <laughs> it's almost begging for you. You end up by default. So yeah, I mean it's an interesting thing really because at school. I was fairly mediocre at most things, I think it would be fair to say. But for some reason, there was one subject that I just, I got it and I knew it. And I didn't, you know, we'd have a test. I didn't need to revise. I'd just turn up and get um, a really good mark. And um, you know, the first thing to say is that, that it only applied in one subject. Every other subject, I would turn up to tests and do really quite badly indeed. And did I never understood physics at all. Um, but... French was the subject I could do. So I guess what happened was that I just kept picking it. So I did it for um, O-level, as it was at the time, did it for A-level, did it at university. And then when it came to uh, thinking about what career I might want to do, I, my degree was in French. And um, I guess I wanted to uh, work with young people um, and I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And, and, and so teaching seemed to be uh, the thing I wanted to do and French was kind of the thing that I could offer to teaching if you like and languages are quite a a, a rare um subject for people to have a degree and so there there was a way in even for someone like me to 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 get a career um out of that so I've been teaching in schools in Birmingham for the last 26 years well we know about the interesting situation with French cricket but has teaching French and having an interest in cricket ever crossed over in any way? Um, I guess so, in that being in a school, they're always looking for people to just take part, to run teams and that sort of thing. So I've been in the privileged position where I've been able to take kids to, um, you know, cricket days. I've been able to, you know, last year, our, the girls team at our school went to a competition, did really well, got to the final. So being part of that day was was really good. Uh, the um, Ashes T20 uh, women's game at Edgebaston last year, uh, we took a group to as well. So there are loads of times really when my role as a teacher and a role as a cricket fan sort of can kind of uh, mesh together a little bit and there's an opportunity to, I, I suppose, share your interest, share your passion and, and your knowledge uh, as you're kind of guiding people into that situation. Because I guess when you go and watch a cricket game and you're not used to it, Having someone who knows a little bit more than you who can explain things is quite useful. And I guess you get summer holidays off as well. So that's a bonus for watching cricket. We're always on holiday as teachers. It's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Can I just encourage people out there? You might see some posters advertising teaching what an inspiring profession it is. And you get all these holidays. Come along, everyone. Join the party. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the six weeks off in the summer is really, really helpful. It just gives a flexibility, I suppose, um, so I can drive you around the country 
and sit in a field in the middle of Mansfield and um, while well, it rains and, and, and that kind of thing. So it, it's um, it's always really helpful to have flexibility in the summer for going to see things like the hundreds. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, listeners, uh, tick off mention of Welbeck on the bingo card. <laughs> giving a slightly uh, regular occurrence. So what is the best cricket game you have ever been to? Without doubt and without hesitation, it is the Women's World Cup final of 2017. It was, and it was kind of an accident that we ended going there because I wasn't a fan of women's cricket. I wasn't really aware of women's cricket. If you'd asked me, when I bought those tickets, so I I was ju I just saw on the Lord's website um, that on the first weekend of the school holidays, so I finished school on the Friday, and it was on that Sunday at the beginning of the school holidays, there was a game at Lord's, it was the Women's World Cup final, and tickets were like 10 quid or something like that. So I just thought, oh, it'd be a great day out. I can take uh, the children down, and we can have um, a day at Lord's, you know, we'll see who's in the final, but it, just going to Lords will be great. And uh, you know, we know we enjoy doing that. So bought the tickets and then didn't particularly really follow the competition until the semi-final stage when uh, I realised England were in the semi-final was a chance to get in the final. But had you asked me at that stage the name of any women's cricketer back in 2017, I, I guess I'd have come up with Charlotte Edwards but I don't think I knew anyone else at all. And we went to that game not really knowing anything, but came away from it absolutely buzzing, saying that that was just the best thing I ever saw. I remember turning to you, you were 12 at the time, and saying, you have just seen England win the World Cup. There are not many people on this planet that can say that for any sport. And what, yeah, what a feeling was, what a game it was. And I, I and I didn't think we would win it at all until about five minutes before we did. I thought India had it in the bag, uh, but what a what an enjoyable day! Absolutely loved it. Yeah, we were saying the other day we actually don't have any photos of me there. I don't think because I took so many photos that day, but obviously it was all on my camera, um, so I don't actually have any photos of me. I just have photos of Anya Shrubstall or Lauren Winfield Hill batting. So you know. Whereas if it was nowadays, there'd be like a selfie from every angle of you and you'd be doing a TikTok of it. And <laughs> it's your, I think what you're trying to do, Polly, at the moment is you're trying to photograph or film the entire surface of the earth. So wherever you go, you're just there with a the camera. You're so mean. <laughs> Violating me like this. Anyway, um, I was going to ask a really nice question, but I don't know if I want to now. Go on. No, I will anyway. Um, what are you most proud of? like in your life oh gosh I'm proud of those things I, I suppose having you know worked in city schools in Birmingham for 26 years and somehow survived it or uh, there's a shell of me that remains anyway um so I, I I think that that's quite a um a big achievement and um it's taken a lot of perseverance and it's been difficult at times it's been really difficult at times um but to actually have done that and I guess just really having an impact on people's lives which is what I wanted you know when I went into teaching 26 years ago that's what I wanted to do I wanted to make a difference so and sometimes you do that through you just sort of day-to-day -day teaching you know you get kids qualifications sometimes you do it through the relationships that you build over a period of time and um, so you just kind of sow seeds really of things 
that people remember. And it, often people don't remember facts, they remember feelings. So um, I guess people don't remember all the verbs I taught them or, or that sort of thing. But I'm hoping that they remember how they felt, um, that they felt that they enjoyed something or they remembered a joke that I told or, or, or something, which is a kind of um, a positive feeling from a time in their life, which, which might not have been quite, not, might not have been very easy. Um, so, I, and things like taking kids on trips. So I just love doing school trips and we um, sort of go to France every year um, on a trip. And that's, that to me is, um, what gives me real joy and pride and satisfaction is seeing kids who just hardly ever been out of Birmingham go and visit places like in France where they, you know, they can just experience seeing Notre Dame, seeing the Eiffel Tower, going on the Metro, going to a French restaurant, giving them that sort of life experience and actually saying, this, this could be what your life is like. You know, you could, you could come back here yourself one day and, see these things for yourself. And this is a sort of taster of, of what's available for you. So I remember years ago, I think out on YouTube, this clip is still there, but there's uh, there's this girl that I taught and she was a real rough diamond. I mean, she was got in so much trouble. Um, you know, I think, I don't think she was expelled in the end, but it was she was very close on a number of occasions. And she came with us to Paris. And one it's one of these kids where you know, she's paid the money to go, but she's a real risk. And I think, you know, it was touch and go whether we took her. And um, my colleague was 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 doing a bit of filming as kids were coming out of the door of Notre Dame Cathedral. So before, this is before the fire. So she'd been and she'd walked around and that sort of thing. And would, and she, she came out and she said in this broad, brummy accent, she goes, that was beautiful. I just feel such peace. It's amazing. And it just um you know things like that it's just like she won't remember all the french that i ever taught her but she'll remember how she felt and i think that's the thing that gives me a lot of pride is the experiences that you give to people actually that's thinking back to cricket that's what sport gives us as well you know i don't remember all the stats and all the details and everything but i remember how i felt on that day when england won the world cup and it just felt amazing it felt like this is joyful and uh, and actually to bring moments of joy into people's life which occasionally I think I like to think I've done e even if I don't do it every day um I think is a, an important thing very wise words well thanks to you there are Premier League footballers and convicted criminals that can say bonjour so <laughs> you make the world a far better place <laughs> yeah one lad I taught actually signed for a French team really and, uh, yeah yeah and um and so on the intro video, he goes, uh, bonjour, je m'appelle Toppy. <laughs> so he played in the French second division for Sochaux. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's how I taught someone who now plays in the Premier League with Luton Town. Um, uh, so I had a few sports stars on the way, yeah, but no female sports stars as yet. As of yet, just wait. One, one of those cricketers you took to the... T20, next England player. That would be great. I don't know. What are you looking forward to most for, you know, you, you're, I'm sure you've got a couple of years left in you. What are you looking forward to? By a couple of years, I mean a lot more years, don't worry. You're talking about the rest of my life? Yeah, rest of your life. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the rest of my life. I'm looking forward to you getting a job. 
Excuse me. Like a, yeah, a proper job that pays and so I can retire and you can look after me. I mean, that's I'm in that's, paid employment. Thank you very much. I have seen none of that. And actually, I, I, I am paying you more than most of your employers are, to tell you. Okay. Um, I am. So I'm looking forward to you supporting me in my old age. Um, so I'd, I'd like you to buy a really nice house in the future and have a little granny flat at the bottom of the garden. And uh, you can bring me my dinner and just uh, look after me in my dotage. So, th so that's that's the dream, really. I, I think, no, seriously, that um, I've really, um, I never thought I'd be a podcaster. I mean, I guess when I was growing up, there were things exist, that exist. Yeah. But um, I really enjoy doing the pod with you, Paul. And it's just a really good context for us to relate and have conversation and stuff, you know, because it can be awkward at times, um, you know, talking to your kids because there's just not a lot to talk about a lot of the time because they don't really know much. So it's really... <laughs> So I come here with lovely questions, and all you do is roast me. Uh, oh. So, so it's it's just a, a real good context for us to just do something together, you know. And um, and I think we we have a laugh, and um, you know, it's really it's good for our relationship, and that makes it sound like oh, well, you know, we 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 had a difficult relationship, <laughs> and now this is kind of helped put things put things right, but um. It's just, it's really nice to have a shared interest. And um, and I guess it it's helped, It I think you've really helped me as well by introducing me to women's cricket, because even though I took you to the World Cup final nearly seven years ago, we didn't follow that up at all. We didn't get into women's cricket at all. And then it's only, you know, later on, you sort of said to me, Oh, have you heard these people, these podcasters, um, Kate and Alex? And you then introduced me to women's cricket. And that's really opened um, a world to me that I, I guess I wasn't aware was there. But it's kind of given me a love back for the sport as a whole and made the sport more accessible to me. Because going to see men's cricket is really expensive and uses a lot of time and, and so on. Whereas um, women's cricket is just... It's, it's been great to get involved in it, see it firsthand, you know, get to know, get to interview the players and and just kind of hear stories about people's love of the game, people's journey into the game and the struggles uh, that, that go on with the game as well. And so to feel very much involved in that and that whole community of people um, who love this very, I mean, cricket's a niche sport anyway, women's cricket even more so. So to get to know just some amazing people um around the sport is it's been great what a lovely answer i was trying to think when you mentioned about me reintroducing you i can't even think how i discovered kate and alex i actually have no idea yeah i mean i guess it was it, it was during lockdown wasn't it so I there was bored out my mind yeah there was nothing else to do really so but I've been my exams obviously you yeah so um so that summer of 2020 um, you started talking to me about it and then you started talking seriously about wanting to go into journalism and the media in the future and so out of that the idea for the podcast came really that it would be good to create a portfolio of, of work over a period of time before applying to university in the future. Well jokes on me the uni don't care about my podcast before I apply I could have failed my A's and got in so 
It, well, yes, except <laughs> I guess it, it stands you in very good stead at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm very glad we did it. <laughs> and and the doors are opening for you now, which you know you've worked really hard to do. And I, I, I'm immensely proud of what you've done with the podcast because, um, and I, I think you know some people might I, on the surface, I understand why people might think this, and um, that that my role must be well, you're a sort of pushy parent and a kind of well, the opposite it, of a pushy parent. It is just like I, I have a pushy daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah I, I mean what you've done is amazing it, and beyond anything that I could have done technically you know in terms of you know putting stuff out there your use of social media and that sort of thing uh, but also your ideas and your connections and your willingness to you know push on doors till they open for you which is again it, you, I think you get it from your mother because it's nothing to do with me I'm just not like that at all I'm really hanging around in the background and pretend to be invisible sort of person well some of the questions we've well I didn't give enough time for people sending questions and I gave about an hour because yeah lastminute.com that's okay my fans so will have been there I'm sure <laughs> we have got actually a really good question but I think I want to save it to next week because we can discuss it at the beginning. So I'll leave it on a cliffhanger. Da, da, da. If that's all right. Um, so you, I try, I'm trying to think of other embarrassing stories I can tell about you. So I think that, that, that would no, really... One came to my mind straight away and we're not going to go there. I mean, changing your nappy when you were little was a nightmare <laughs> at times. Oh. You would just eat sweet corn straight out of the freezer and go... Yeah, it was not a pretty right. song. No, 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 no. All I'm going to say, I'm going to cut you off after this, is Waterloo Station. So thank, uh, you. <laughs> thank you, Richard, for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate your time and um, can't wait to see what you do in the future. You know, good luck with the rest of uh, the winter training. He was good. You want to get him back? He was very good, very wise, had a lot to say. Um, yeah, I mean, considering it was his first interview, well, first podcast interview anyway. Sure had job interviews, interviews before. Yeah. They normally go really badly. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, um, that was this week's pod. We will be back next week with another guest, probably not as good as Richard. He, he demanded a big fee, so it was difficult to get. You've um, blown the budget totally on me, and now it's just going yeah. to be cheap people next. So everyone, please listen, because I need the funds. I'll put my bank details in the show <laughs> notes. Please transfer anything you've got. Um, we will be back next week with another guest. But in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. So our Instagram is North Child Podcast. Our TikTok is North Child Podcast. And our Twitter is A Road Child Podcast. Mm -hmm.